Monticello, and welcome through the Growth Through Grief podcast. My guest today, he's the author of the book, Better With Every Breath, The Journey from Loss to Living Again. His name, James Thorber. He's a pastor at Journey Church in Independence, Kansas, with a BS in ministry from Bethany Bible College in Scotts Valley, California, and a Master of Ministry degree in leadership from the Graduate School at Southwestern Christian University in Bethany, Oklahoma. His first book, Taking Off My Comfortable Clothes, that told the story of his joining a monastic community for four years to live and learn the monk's life. And uh, Jim, I definitely want to talk to you about that a little bit as well. We're here to talk about mainly, though, another one of your life's journeys uh, with the latest book about the loss of your wife, Barbara, your wife of 26 years, and you lost her in 2020, and Jim's journey of faith and healing in the aftermath of that loss. So uh, welcome, Jim. Thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. Well, I always... Excellent. I am so happy to have you here. Uh, you've lived such an interesting life. And first, I want to learn, how did your love story begin with Barbara? How did you all meet? Well, you had mentioned I went to a monastery in Northwest Arkansas. It was founded by the singer-songwriter John Michael Talbot. And uh, I felt God leading me there. He had asked me to remain single for a while. I, I understood his direction there. And I I ended up leaving Southern California to go to this monastery. Well, John was uh, friends with the local Assemblies of God pastor, and his wife had sang on some mm -hmm. of John's albums, and I started to attend that church because my credentials at that time was with the Assemblies of God. And Barbara, who became my wife, was already there. Uh, she was from Southern California, too. We grew up about 70 miles from each other, and we met in a town of 3,000 in uh Berryville, Arkansas. And she got there via um, Florida, and she had already been married, but she moved there with her two boys uh, after her divorce, and we met in church. So after I got out of the monastery, um, we started to hang out, and um, there you go. It led to 26 and a half years of marriage. Wow, and you built a beautiful life together. Tell us a little bit about that well, we uh, stayed in Berryville, Arkansas. Her youngest son still lived in the home, and we uh, didn't want to take him out of high school, so we hung out for a while. But I realized that uh, a future in ministry wasn't going to happen in that small town, so we moved to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and got involved in a number of churches there. Uh, they were thinking about starting up a Bible college. I, wanna work, I wanted to do some work there and teach, but that uh, didn't happen. So we... Wanted to come closer to the kids. We ended up moving to Tahlequah, Oklahoma, which put us uh, two and a half hours or so from the kids. And I pastored there. And then I uh, that came to an end. And we came to Independence, Kansas, which is where I'm at now. And I've been here uh, over 13 years. Wow. And similar to many of our widower brothers, you unfortunately lost Barbara to covid and that was just a couple of short years ago in 2020. Yes. Yeah, we uh, both got COVID, actually. She came home with it first and uh, felt like she wasn't feeling well. And we went and both got tested. She had it. I didn't. 
And then I tested positive um, about five days later. So we do what COVID couples do. We hung out in the house. We did some work outside. It was August, September uh, at this time. And uh, we took walks and put together puzzles and played Scrabble. Um, and we were clear. We were out of the woods, so to speak. But she started to feel uh, bad again. She actually had a very uh, intense urinary tract infection and started to get a fever. Um, and it just, there were some clots that had hit her leg, her heart. Um, we went to the emergency room and uh, they found out that some damage had been done to her heart. Her blood had gone septic from the, uh, the urinary tract infection. And they got her down to Tulsa, Oklahoma for surgery to remove the clots, but she didn't survive the surgery. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jim. Um, and it happened, I'm sure, so quickly, which didn't give you much time to prepare. Yeah, there was, yeah, it happened amazingly fast. I know your wife lingered for a long time with cancer. Um, Barbara woke up in the morning and, uh, she went to the bathroom and said, boy, my, I, my feet don't sense that the tile is cold, her right foot. She said, something's wrong. We need to go to the emergency room. And that's how fast it happened. They uh, got her to Tulsa in an ambulance. And then they started a surgery around 2.30 in the afternoon. And she passed away about 6.30 that night. So, yeah, amazingly fast. But I'm grateful that... Um, you know, she passed away while under anesthesia. Anesthesia. She didn't. She didn't sense it. You know, I'm. I'm grateful that uh, it didn't linger. Yeah. Were you able to be with her during those? Moments? No. Um, COVID. September 2020. Uh, the whole hospital was locked down. Uh, the waiting rooms were locked down. Uh, I couldn't go and be with her. I spent uh, five hours in the parking garage sitting in my Toyota. Um, texting her. We talked for the last time on the phone. Um, and that was my time to sit and think about life, think about God, think about life without her and where it was going to take me. Wow. And I know so many other brothers who lost their wives to COVID, same thing. They just weren't able to be there in those final moments. Yeah. I, I, so, I, so sorry for that. I think I lost my pool more than once, uh, especially with one of the doctors. I said, listen, <laughs> This is my wife. We sleep together. If you can yeah. get dressed up and go see a stranger, I can get dressed up and see my wife. And he finally yeah. relented. He said, after surgery, we will make sure you come in and see her. But, you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. Now, your book, Better With Every Breath, that you, you started writing that right away. Am I right about that? Right after the loss? Yeah. Um, she passed away on a Saturday. I went to church on Sunday, and then uh, Sunday afternoon I went to be with the kids in Northwest Arkansas. They're about three and a half hours from me, and it was up to me to do the service. There was nobody else in the family. I didn't want anybody else to do it, so I did her memorial service, and I started writing um, for that, the memorial, and then yeah. about 40, it was actually 40 days after uh, she had passed. A friend of mine asked me to to write another book, and I said, "I think I want to write about Barbara and the things I learned." He said, "Anything I can do to help you." So my book, Better with Every Breath, started on the 40th day after Barbara's death, 
And uh, since the memorial was already written, I included uh, a lot of that. And I finished it 19 days later. So all it took after that was editing and what publishers do, the magic they create to come out with a, uh, a nice book. You know, it's not long. It's, it's short. And I looked at it when I first got it and I went, this is really small. And then I thought, no, somebody that's ex experienced the death of a spouse or a parent or a child, they don't need 300 pages to slog through. And so it turned out to be the right thing. It was my story. And I hope it brought, uh, continues to bring, as it has brought, uh, you know, people comfort and, uh, and a direction they can take their life. Yeah. And Jim, that, first of all, a couple of um, parallels. Uh, the eulogy is the start of my book as well. Right. Kind of the story that I told at her celebration of life. Uh, however, my book is uh, coming out to be a little bit on the long side. It might be that 300 pager. So <laughs> there's, for those who there's don't places want to for those pages, too. You know, better, better with every breath might be a better option for you. Jim, <laughs> um, you mentioned, you know, right after you lost uh, Barbara, that you went to church and, and you remained within your faith that whole time. I know a lot of widower brothers, they really struggle. Uh, rejoicing in the Lord isn't exactly what they feel like doing. That's not first because, on your list of things I need to accomplish. Yeah, they're angry and upset a lot of times. Right. They're angry with God. Sure. I've heard that. Angry with God. Angry with, you know, what what that the lot in life that I now have. Um, what do you say to those brothers that are angry with God over the loss? Well, as you've read my book, you can tell that my story is really for people that have a, a, a deep-seated faith. Um, I don't have much to say to people who don't have a faith in God, but I would tell, I would remind them a couple of things. Uh, life stopped being fair when Adam and Eve ate a fruit salad lunch in the Garden of Eden. Um, everybody passes away. Um, and that God is still sovereign. God is still, if God was good before Barbara passed away, God was good on the day she passed away, and he's been good ever since. And so when I keep the long history of humanity in perspective, that I'm not the first one to, to lose a wife, I'm not unique, um, it helps me to remember that uh, God lost one, uh, a loved one too, and he called him son. So mm -hmm. we're all in this together, and we can support one another. The pain is huge. I write that the pain is deep because the love is deep. And uh, it's not a describable pain in words to anybody that's not experienced it. But I would encourage people to remember just how good God is and that uh, he's working towards our best in every areas of our life. And he doesn't go away even in our darkest moments. Now, I know that you... You and I had a conversation about some of the things that people say. Mm. People say the darndest things sometimes yeah. to the grieving, right? The widows, right. the widowers. Tell us about some of these and your advice on what to say to someone who's experienced a recent loss. Well, it starts off pretty fast. Um, I was in church about uh, uh, 13 hours or so after Barbara passed. And uh, some of the things people would say is, um, how are you? And I would think, I haven't any idea how I am. 
you know? And so it, uh, there was, now there were always two responses. There was my initial response. And then there was, my, there was my edited response. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, good thing you hit pause on that, on that, res- on that initial response. Yeah. I, I, I learned to, you know, how are you? Um, and anybody that was trying to bring me comfort wasn't trying to hurt me. They, they just didn't know what to say, you know? Um, so how are you? Uh, uh, as well as can be expected, I appreciate, you know, you asking. Uh, the other one was, let me know if I can do anything for you. I have any idea what I need yet, you know? Um, and I would just say, thank you. You know, I will. After a couple of months when people said, let me know if I can do anything for you, I would respond, yes, there is an area you can help me out in. I need help paying off my mortgage. (laughs) Of course, I would straight face that. And then they would look at me like, are you serious? And then they would grin and I would grin. And it let us both know that I'm not destroyed and there's still a sense of humor and that I'm healing. So that was one of my comebacks. Um, Uh, I'm praying for you. Thank you. Now, my mind was going, I haven't the foggiest idea how that's going to help right now. But my mouth was saying, thank you. I have a feeling that some of those prayers gave me the energy to sit down 40 days later and start typing uh, in my study and and be able to tell that story through a lot of tears. Um, but I'm grateful I was able to tell it with the, the clarity that I had. Um, one of the things they didn't include in the book was uh, something somebody said afterwards, which was, uh, she's in a better place now. And yeah. that's when I edited a lot of uh, the four-letter words we're not supposed to say as pastors. You know? <laughs> and I thought to myself, no. The better place for her is next to me, holding my hand in bed, talking to me across the dinner table, being in with me in the car as we go shopping. And all these things are going through my mind. And I would say, yes, she is. And I, and I look forward to being with her again. You know, as, as we know, um, when you lose a spouse, there are no words. There's no words to describe it. There's no words to, uh, to help somebody. Uh, what I offer now, because I understand what somebody's gone through is, I would say, I understand. And then I would say, there are no words. That's what I offer. So, you know, I just, I just choose to believe people want the best for me. And uh, they, they're, it's, it's a tough place to be in. How do you comfort somebody whose wife uh, or, or husband has died or they lost a child uh, there just aren't any words, but we do the best we can in the community to, to love them and to support them, you know, so. It's, it's awkward for them as well. Sure. They often don't know what to say. Sure. They want to help. They want to take, give you care, right. but they don't know how to say, and you, I'd say just give grace, give grace back, give grace to yourself and then give grace to others that they don't know exactly what to say either. Um, some other good ones, uh, it'll get easier over time. <laughs> uh, did and you hear that one? Yeah, I, I heard that one quite a bit. You know, it does. Um, it does. You know, I mean, it's, I, a, it's a two years and. Yeah. 
Yeah, four months. Yeah, now. two years and four months. I yeah, it does. Um, but you're right. It it doesn't mean anything two days after, you know, they're not here and their smell is still in the house and you're staring at their toothbrush and <laughs> their their dirty clothes in the laundry and yeah. 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 I had a uh, cousin, a dear cousin that lost her husband to cancer and uh, someone came up to her and, and meant certainly well, but uh, basically said, oh, don't worry, you'll find someone better. And I, I almost fell off my chair. Wow. <laughs> so people can say the darndest things. They can uh, without thinking, you know. Um... Maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. I don't even know how to, you know, um, yeah. I haven't, yeah. I, I've come to the age, I'm 61 now and all the, you know, all my favorite females are married. <laughs> I was thinking that the other day, I was like, okay, I'm not looking for anybody, but I don't know anybody, you know, I, I don't know if I, yeah. I still wear the ring. I'm, I can't, I can't take it off yet. It's not, um, You know, so. Yeah, and we've had another brother in our group who, same, he wears his ring still, and he says the exact same thing, Jim, so that's not, that's not anything unusual at all. Uh, I think when, when you're ready, that you'll know that sure. time, and uh, that time will be right for you on that. A very, uh, a very long-time really friend of mine lost her husband in, in Southern California, and she kept on her ring, and her statement was... Um, I'm single, but I'm not available. And my and my ring takes me off the market for anybody that doesn't know me. Um, and I don't I don't talk like I'm single. I don't talk like I'm available. Yeah. Another pastor in town says, "You do not present yourself as grieving as available." Um, someone met me uh, a couple of times recently and never saw Barbara. And at a dinner meeting, said, uh, "So when are we going to meet your wife?" And everybody kind of you know, inhaled and I smiled and I said, uh, she passed away about two years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And later that night, I thought, isn't that good that I don't present myself in public as mm -hmm. a grieving widow? You know, uh, I'm, I've seen a lot of people who years and years and years later, they're still putting grieving posts on Facebook and they're still shutting themselves in their house when, mm -hmm when that anniversary comes around and I chose to be, you know, I, I really did rejoicing and, and choosing joy is key. Um, thank you, Lord, for the time we had together. And I'm not going to, to give up. I say often to my church, if you're still breathing, God's not finished with you yet. And that was, you know, you read the night, you know, I spent the night in the hotel after she passed away and I called family and friends and I was up till midnight and, I said to the Lord, I said, you know, I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. I've lived a good life. You want to take me home tonight? I'm fine with it, really, really. And I woke up the next morning and I was disappointed. I was disappointed that I was in the hotel. And I sighed and I said, okay, Lord. But he gave me the answer. He gave me that. Yeah, that he wasn't done with He's you He's not done with me yet. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm glad to still contribute to, to others in, in all areas of my life, my church, uh, other grieving widows and widowers, this, this podcast, what an honor. It's my first ever podcast. 
Oh, awesome. Well, I'm glad <laughs> I can be your first to catch him. Um, 40 days after you were able to gather your thoughts, mm. uh, I'm trying to think of where I was 40 days after preparing for the celebration of life and, and trying to get that together and just survive, you know, just trying to get through and get by, get my girls back to a normal school schedule, sure. get my business back in order. And many of us are in, still in survival mode. What do you think is the some of the attributes that got you to the point that you could be so introspective and, and retrospective and thoughtful, uh, mindful about what you were putting down on paper? There, there were two things, two keys, I think, that kept me going well and, and healthy as can be through a, the loss of a spouse. One was gratitude. Thank you, Lord, that um, we had a good life. Thank you for trusting me with your daughter. Right up to the very last day, you trusted me with her to treat her right. Thank you for the example we were for others. So gratitude was a big part of it. The other one was talking to people. I was uh, fortunate to be uh, put in touch with a lady who lost her husband a few years before Barbara passed. And she kind of walked, was the first person I talked to. Um, and she called me and we talked for two hours on the phone. I think I cried for an hour and a half of it. Um, yeah. So those two things really helped keep me sane. Um, I had a good community in my church. When I showed up that Sunday morning after I sent out a, you know, uh, a text to everybody, uh, they were just in tears. They loved her so well. And I needed them and they needed me. And so that community, I couldn't, there's no way to isolate myself. Um, I still needed to go to work. So are you going to take some time off? And I'm thinking, and do what? Wander around the house? So I was grateful that I was, uh, and I yeah. still am a bivocational pastor, that I could go to my job at a, at a lumberyard. And I was also grateful that I had to concentrate and put my efforts into bringing uh, a sermon every Sunday. And so uh, knowing my responsibilities and taking my responsibilities seriously uh, helped me keep going and not just get into depression, not find myself in a bottle, not isolate myself from the rest of people. Um, my relationship with God has been going on since I was 12. So I was, um, I guess you would say I was trained enough, mature enough, uh, responsible enough to keep doing the right thing and to be able to concentrate on that. And then having a fellow widow, widower to talk to, uh, I think that is also incredibly helpful. Those who have found that brother or, or Wister to talk with, to uh, know that, you know, that things can be all right, because usually they're further along in the journey than yeah. you are. You know, that that helped me a lot when I eventually got there. Right. But honestly, for the first three years, wow, I didn't talk to anybody about That's it. That's too long. Uh, until another, another, I know, way too long, another widower in town, a uh, friend said, you know, Joey just lost his wife. He needs help. And I went to talk to him. And all of a sudden I was like, first of all, in service was very helpful for me. So knowing that I could be, from my experience, right. helpful to somebody. But also I got as much out of it talking with him as I think he yeah. did with me. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
a, a neighbor friend down the street uh, that brought me some dinner after I got home uh, from the kid's house the first time. And uh, so it wasn't even a week after Barbara passed. And she said, would you like to talk to somebody? And I'm a guy, as you know, yeah. we go, nah. And that was my yeah, first response, off. nah, I'm good, you know. And then it's, it's like the God in the back of my mind is going, say yes, ding dong, you're going to need this. And, and that's what I did. I said, yeah, I think I would. And she said, uh, would you like to talk to, to Julia Valentine? I said, yeah, I think that would be good. So I needed other people to tell me that what I was going through was okay, that I was bursting into tears at the sight of her toothbrush was normal, you know, yeah. um, that her birthday hit me hard. But Mother's Day almost it was just awful. The first Mother's Day. Uh, knowing that I would have to go through a year of firsts, first Thanksgiving without her, first Christmas, she's not handing out presents, first Father's Day, Mother's Day, birthday, anniversary, get through those years of firsts, you know, and that I would be okay. Um, and it would just hit me sometimes out of the blue, walking past a picture, um, you know, seeing her wedding ring on top of the, the dresser little things and my friend would say it's okay i went to buy flowers the first spring because we love to do flowers around the house and i went to the to the nursery and i started to look at some and i was really excited you know i like doing this i'm, I'm bebopping along and then i start to look at the flowers and i look at the plants and i barely made it to my truck before i just bawled i just booed and i bought a few things for the church and called it good and uh I sent some pictures to a friend. I said, I, I couldn't do it. And they're like, okay, so maybe next year. It's okay. And I'm like, really? I don't have yeah. to live and the those... exact same routine all the time? And they're like, no, you don't. And about two weeks later, uh, my neighbor across the street says, oh, I, I really miss seeing all the flowers and plants. You guys did just a nice job. And I'm like, oh. So I screwed up my courage and went back to the nursery <laughs> and I bought flowers and my neighbor was happy and I was happy and I sent pictures to my friends and they're like, success, yay for you. So bit at a time. Triggers are definitely something that a lot struggle with, Jim. And I think that, as you said, it's, it's normal. It will happen. Uh, there are those moments and you've got to, you know, express. And then, you know, as you said, I think one of the, the ways out of it, I, I like to think of it in terms of the four T's to uh, transition. So, you know, there is going to be a point where you do have to get a hold of yourself. Okay. Uh, think, think about why you got triggered and remember, uh, thank and gratitude about the moment that you were able to share, because usually it's about a missing moment or something mm -hmm. else. And, you know, give gratitude for the beauty that you had and the beauty that is still in your life. And then finally, I think a really important one that I'd love for you to talk a little bit about is the concept of transcendence. Um, talk about that a little bit and why we really need our faith to be able to ultimately heal and that that healing comes from transcendence. When my bishop uh, came to my church service the very next day, I actually happened to have a Sunday off after I called him and said Barbara had passed away. 
He told my church that uh, because of our faith, we mourn at a death, but we mourn with hope because we are looking forward to something that is above and beyond us and outside of us and eternal, uh, that we've been invited into this relationship. Um, I like one, one person said, I'm not planning my life to go to heaven. I'm preparing my life for eternity. Yes, eternity, but uh, more for an introduction to, to this personality, to this God, for an encounter with my Savior. And it lets me take a larger view of life that, uh, as I said earlier, it's not all about me. Um, history's been going on a long time before I showed up on the earth, and it'll go on long after me. And so taking the, the, the longer view of of God and um, his goodness helps me to not keep it centered on, oh, woe is me. It's all about me. It's not all about me. Um, the other thing that I had to remember that helped me is I'm not the only one hurting here. Um, Barbara's sons were destroyed, you know. Uh, the grandkids, I'd go to each grandkid and, and hug them and comfort them and, and remember Barbara with them. And uh, if it was just about me, I would have missed out on the people who still needed me present. It's like, you still had to take care of your girls. You know, it, you just couldn't break down and, and hide. Um, so remembering that uh, God has set me up with a good community of believers here in Independence. I've got a wonderful friends in many, many states uh, that have supported me and called me weekly. Um, but, uh, yeah, my view was always above and anytime, anytime I just paused and put down my books and didn't study my sermon and just sat and thought about God and his goodness, the tears would flow. I, I've never cried in anger and bitterness and resentment to God. It just, it just never occurred to me that he was at fault and he took away my wife, you know? It never occurred to me. I just knew that this is part of life, but that life is not over here. There is another life. There is an afterlife, and that's where my hope goes. So I hope to see her. Uh, that's where my hope, not like I hope to see her. My hope is in that aspect of being reunited and seeing her and my my parents and the other ones whose, whose faith has uh, brought them to such a place as you call transcendence. But, uh, you know, we know it as uh, the presence of God. Yeah. And you're looking forward to oh, that. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice? Yeah. Jim, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our widower brothers, our growth warriors with today? I think I've already mentioned it. Stay grateful. Stay connected. Stay grateful for how good you have it. I mean, I'm not the richest guy in the world. I'm not the smallest. I'm not the tallest. I'm not the most talented on a piano you see behind me. I know you play keyboard. Um, but there's so much I haven't been through. I've been in a car accident. I've not lost a limb. I've not fought cancer. I, you know, I still see reasonably well and the hearing aids help me to hear better. I've had a good life. I've been blessed. I've had great and amazing friends. I love what I do. I love talking to people and customer service. I love teaching the word of God. I'm grateful. I never stop being grateful. 
Uh, Barbara said, I'm overly optimistic, like my glasses are half full, my glasses flowing over. And I find that just a great way to live. It takes too much energy to be negative. It takes too much energy to, to be down in the mouth and always look to be critical. It just takes so much energy to say, what a great day. And the other thing is stay connected. Find people that, uh, that know you, that love you, that will walk with you. And then as you um, heal, make yourself available to others the way somebody was available to you. And then in that availability and that service to others, you'll find yourself healing even better. And you'll find more joy yeah. as we give. I agree. If you can find someone to help, whether it be through the formal grief share um, or just being available when someone calls or reaching out to them, yeah. as, as I did, um, I got so much out of it just by being available, being transparent in my feelings. And that in that sharing becomes that mutual understanding and connectedness to that person. Yeah. And then I think to the spirit and, and God as well. I had a man so, face uh, book request, requested for Facebook. And I, we had a mutual friend and he lost his wife and my friend sent him my book and he started to text me on Facebook messenger. And he kind of said, well, I'm not doing real well right now. And I said, why, why don't we talk? Call me. And he did. Yeah. And he was really surprised that I said, call me. But then I had somebody else say to me, call me. And I was just mm -hmm. returning the favor. So we talked for about an hour and I prayed with him. And a week later, he said, uh, can we talk again? I said, sure. He said, you need to know the rest of the story, Jim. He said, I was sitting on my son's older son's bed. I went to visit him and his wife and grandkid. And I had a bottle of pills in my hand. And I was going to end it. I wanted to go to sleep. I was done. And I texted you for some reason. You said, talk to me. He said, after that talk, I put down the bottle of pills. He said, Jim, you stopped me from committing suicide. Wow. Jim, grateful for you wow. and uh, what you've done. Um, grateful that um, faith in the word uh, comes through you to help others. Uh, please, please continue to do that yeah. and serve. And uh, the book is Better With Every Breath. Um, we've got it recommended in our recommended books section on the website, growthroughgrief.org. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, your love story with Barbara, and uh, also your stories of healing and growth through the process. Well, I, I, I thank you for the invitation. And the compliment is I've never seen two men talk about the loss of their wives until... Uh, your podcast, and I really hope you touch more and more men. We don't like to talk, but we need to. So I hope you uh, you just expand in all sorts of directions to talk to and encourage and support the men that need it the most. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Uh, if you liked what you heard, uh, please hit the like button, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.